صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي ام اند وذ روبرت مارتن ناصر مشني اند يوسف احمد الريماوي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, Nasser. Good morning. Morning, Yusuf. How are you doing? So, uh, this is uh, a very big episode. Uh, we are in the middle of an, a very big period uh, of uh, time for the Palestinian uh, cause in Australia. And we are going to talk about uh, a major historic event that took place from the 6th to the 8th of November. The Palestine or... Well, the Black Palestine Solidarity Conference. Yes, the Black Palestine Solidarity Conference. And also uh, what has been happening uh, in Gaza. And we will also shed light on the very important uh, Palestine activities that will take place uh, next week. Uh, so, uh, Nasser, uh, without further ado, Gaza uh, again and again. Well, you know, the reality, you know, the um, what we have a situation, you know, politically in Israel where Benjamin Netanyahu has... still fail to form a government. Political paralysis. Political paralysis. And so you have a situation where, you know, we need... Um, uh, we more need to more show, blood. Yeah, you know, you've got to mow the lawn, as, yeah. as they've used a vernacular. Um, the ongoing blockade, 13, in its 13th year now, Gaza, 2 million people, um, 70% of them refugees that can see their homelands, um, 50% of them under 18 years of age, air, land, sea blockade, uh, as David Cameron, former Prime Minister of uh, Britain, called it, the largest open-air prison on earth. A population density, as we've taken it through before, of close to 7,000 people per square kilometre. Um, and, you know, we've done the math before, but just to remind our listeners that if, if Australia had the same population density, we would have close <coughs> to 45 billion people, b- billion in Australia rather than 26 million. Um, and, you know, when uh, Israel decides that they're going to uh, mow the lawn or they need to do something, in this instance, you know, they decided to assassinate Baha Abu Atta, um, they can just do that, you know. Uh, the population is trapped. They murdered him. Uh, and since then, up until um, the most recent figures, anything up to 50 people. And we, we should just remember in context... On top of these 50 people this week, we've had 70 people, uh, 70 Palestinians murdered uh, in the Great Return March, over 300 since March, uh, since Land Day last year. Um, but we shouldn't take that out of the context of you know 2014 when over 2,000 Palestinians were killed, 500 children, 11,000 wounded, 200,000 people internally, internally displaced. And the destruction of nearly one-third of Gaza. One-third of Gaza. I mean, it's... It's just that's that's the one wave of hostilities in 2014, not to mention in 2012, and we just continue and 2009 and 2009, and and the dehumanization of the Palestinian has been driven to such an extent that they can mow the lawn, they can kill with impunity, to the point 
and miraculously, in fact, you know, so leveraging the theme of the Black Palestine Solidarity Conference, only uh, this week uh, police went into a Northern Territory home to arrest a, a young Aboriginal man, 19 years old, went into his house. Uh, Constable Rolf uh, shot him and dragged him out by his feet mm. and waved his gun at uh, Mr Walker's family and said if anybody else wants to get shot, they should approach. They put him in the uh, Dibby van, took him back to the police station, didn't tell his family, though other people knew. So they shot him and didn't take him to hospital. They, sh- they took him to the station. Station, and then, and then mm, correct, mm. that's my understanding. And then um, he passed away, Mr Walker passed away. Um, there was protests in, obviously, the Northern Territory, but then all over uh, Australia. Melbourne, uh, Australia. Finally, uh, Constable Rolf was charged with murder. Now, Constable Rolf was wearing a body camera. You know, so there's video footage of the uh, uh, of, of the, the incident. Mm. Reports are that Mr. Walker was shot in the back. So I don't know how you threaten somebody and get shot in the back. Mm. But anyway, he was charged with murder, but given bail. Now I don't think any Aboriginals ever been given jail uh, bail mm. after being charged with murder. But anyway, the parallel. In uh, in Palestine, on the Gaza fence, an Israeli soldier, the first soldier. So we've had over 300 people killed on the fence since March last year. A soldier was convicted. This is fantastic. Convicted of murdering a 14-year-old boy who posed imminent danger to a sniper. So the sniper took him out. Mm. He was convicted, and uh, uh, the charge is acting without authorization in a manner endangering to life and well-being. Mm. And he was demoted, one rank, and given one month's community service. Uh, well, it's f- very hard to come back uh, to a level of injustice that uh, deals uh, with complete uh, contrast of standards when it comes to human lives. Here you have uh, Palestinian and black lives are uh, shed uh, for reasons or with no reason. And when I say reason, I mean... Uh, disproportionate uh, use of power and uh, things that could have been dealt with uh, maybe more uh, more more cries more uh, just asking the person to stop without even using your guns but nevertheless uh, because we're talking about Palestinian and brown and black and Absolutely. indigenous lives so these lives don't seem to matter well, and the, therefore, the if you can, just do it. And we've seen also um, the exchange of WhatsApp messages, the video sent by one of the soldiers mm-hmm. on WhatsApp to her... Uh, to, to, to her boyfriend. To her boyfriend, showing off that she killed the Palestinian. She shot him in the back. She didn't kill she, him. She shot him with a rubber, rubber bullet. Yeah, yeah. And the, 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 that Palestinian... Was, was just walking go- away, walking away, arms in the causing air, causing zero threat. And it should be noted, he'd already been held captive by them for three hours, and they'd already beaten him. Mm. You know, uh, they'd already taken to him and beaten him up, mm. and they were releasing him. And they were saying, "Walk away, show us your hands, keep walking, keep walking." He posed no threat. He was thirty plus meters away, and they shot him again. Just, I mean, and she show and she actually she videotaped it. She, there, there is footage. And she was showing off. Look what I did today. You must be proud. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is the the level of... I mean, this is the thing about Zionism. We know Zionism is racism. We know it categorically. The Mm. the concept of a superior religious 
people or ethnic or ethnic people over over another and this fantasy that has been created or perhaps not even fantasy but this concept of superiority of um you know the iron wall concept of um early zionism that we need an iron wall to protect ourselves has fed in itself into this hysterical concept of fear uh security everybody's a threat and so the 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 ability to shoot without thought or care you know we saw a, a palestinian murdered in hebron he was carrying a bucket of water his house was on fire they shot him on the front steps of his door mm. a couple of, a couple of days ago um you know a, a nuclear armed state with nuclear submarines tanks f16s the most amazing military on earth as sophisticated as any army on earth can stop a 14-year-old boy mm-hmm. without without killing him shooting him with a sniper's rifle mm-hmm. it's a 14-year-old boy now as we know Yusuf you and I but perhaps our listeners don't know 14-year-old boys in Gaza look like 8-year-olds and 9-year-olds in Australia now the reason they look like 8 years 8-year-olds and 9-year-olds in Australia poor nutrition uh, poor system. nutrition poor water and the Israeli military occupation determines the calorific intake of mm. every gazan. Mm. The reality is 14-year-old boys are tiny. <coughs> Now if you don't can't find another way to stop this 14-year-old boy other than to shoot him and kill him, there's there's a problem. Every time uh, there is a wave of uh, Palestinian blood uh, being shed in Gaza or elsewhere, we seem to see the same rules of the game blackout in the media. and then if it's too big then they start talking about it but in a very tailored language that throws the blame on palestinians indirectly and then uh, because when when there are no israeli casualties um then you i mean i'm not here to talk about the representation of the last wave of hostilities and aggression in Gaza because I didn't even bother to study it or observe it or learn it or take notes. I was so frustrated. I knew what I'm going to see to the extent that I didn't even read anything. But from the very little I know, I can tell you that it's the same rules of the game that same role, keeps yeah. happening every time. Blow up a building... I mean there was one family of 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 nine eight people were killed the mum dad kids the only survivor was a 6 month old mm. I mean you know how is this targeted as- oh, this Imagine. concept of targeted assassination John F Kennedy was a targeted assassination one person died mm. you don't bomb a whole building mm. you know Ima- take out an entire Imagine family if a Qassam rocket landed on a well, building we, in know, Tel Aviv and know, killed it, eight member family we'd know every single one of Imagine their names what we'd hear about their dreams how they joined a scout group when they were little mm. and uh this young girl would have pictures of her with roses in her hair when she did halloween mm. they would the concept of humanizing the tragedy that would be a tragedy if she died definitely definitely but we are never given the same opportunity at hum- humanization and and the the challenge and we should probably end it here because we need to give some time to the solidarity conference is that if there's any report it's instantaneous mm. there's no context given to the ongoing brutality occupation is violence you cannot control air land sea food freedom of movement freedom everything mm. for 13 years and and that not be violent 
If I trap you in your dunny you for 13 you years... You can't do that by being nice to us. If I lock you into your toilet for 13 years and leave you there and decide to slip a mount of water under the... Uh, a food and water under the door every day, every now and again I'll give you a bit of electricity, every now and again I'll give you a bit of uh, mm. drinking water. That's not... And in th- sometime in that 13 years you throw a rock at me somehow through the window. Well, and then I've, I, the media says, Yusuf threw a rock... <laughs> To the, to the peaceful <laughs> neighborhood of Nasser. And, and, and there's, nobody actually says Nasser's a bad guy for not letting Yusuf out of the toilet. No, no. So to summarize this, uh, we're talking about uh, up to 50 Palestinians being killed, up to 200 people injured, uh, tens of Palestinian homes destroyed, and one Israeli injury. And nevertheless... Um, Palestinians are the bad guys. Yes, we will always be the bad guys. On a better note, Nasser, uh, something really big and historic has happened in Melbourne last Friday. Well, not just Friday, well, six, well, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday and, and Friday. Friday. And we should say, re- repeat, this was the Black Palestine, Pal- Black Palestinian Solidarity Conference contesting settler narratives. And this this bit is very important, settler narratives, because the reality is the Zionist Israel lobby has um, hijacked the narrative, and says to Indigenous Australians, we're like you. Mm. We're in our own home, struggling as Indigenous people, um, seeking the right to live, which is absolute bullshit. Mm. Well, it's absolute rubbish, because when Malcolm Turnbull welcomed Benjamin Netanyahu and said, we share a special relationship because we're the same countries, because you're the same countries, because you're both built on settler colonialism that was predicated on the annihilation of an Indigenous people. Now, they almost succeeded in, uh, in Australia, and not for want of trying, the Zionists failed in, in, in Palestine. And so this conference was spectacularly important in reclaiming this narrative that mm. the indigenous struggles, the parallels between the indigenous struggles for rights in Australia are completely and utterly in 100% Venn diagram, circle on top of circle, Palestinian struggle for uh, uh, rights as the indigenous people of the lands of historic Palestine. Mm. And uh, credit goes uh, to uh, the organizer of the conference, uh, Dr. Uh, Gary Foley and uh, Susanna Henty and uh, Ali Qazak and uh, APAN and every individual and organization that made it happen by either uh, being there and speaking at the conference, by attending the sessions, by promoting it, by providing venues, by providing platform online. The list will go, and I don't want to mention some and forget others. This is a So huge, include everybody. <laughs> I, will, I, will, I will really uh, definitely, I think we will definitely go back to this uh, topic with more details and better acknowledgement of names. But uh, this is a huge uh, conference. and um, I'll share some of my highlights, Yusuf, and then you can talk about, uh, in particular, your session. And I'd like to hear your thoughts about um, Rhonda Abdel-Fateh and, and her presentation. Um, so Gary Foley, Professor Gary Foley, opened the conference. Um, and one of the things that we took away from his talk was the concept that reconciliation is not justice. Talking just about reconciliation isn't about justice. And he shared um, the, the, his concerns or the realities, if you will, of the indigenous incarceration rates in Australia and of the indigenous Palestinian incarceration uh, rates in Palestine. Um, he spoke about uh, life expectancy, mortality, income, and the, the equivalence 
of those two populations. There's no reconciliation while the wound is bleeding. No really. You gotta you gotta stop the bleeding and then maybe we can talk. Absolutely. Um, we had Professor John Maynard, who's the current chair of Aboriginal History at Newcastle University. We had a fantastic Palestinian who on, came in via Skype. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, on John Maynard, he mentioned something very important, the second wave of statelessness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the second ethnic cleansing. The second ethnic cleansing uh, that uh, hit the indigenous population in Australia, not the one in 1788. It's the one towards the end of the 19th century. Correct, yeah. Which often goes unnoticed. Uh, nobody knows about it, yeah, yeah. other than his works. Um, Professor Nadia Abul Haj uh, skyped in from Columbia University, and she was uh, open the the conference. She was part of the uh, one in Columbia. We had um, just sorry. just to remind our listeners, this is the second Black Palestine Solidarity Conference. The first one took place last year uh, in the University of Columbia, and with movements from the United States, particularly Black Lives Matters, and the second one took place here in Australia. Correct. Um, we had a fantastic keynote presentation from Professor Rabab Abdul Hadi um, from um, San Francisco, and, and she talked about um, her challenges uh, navigating the Zionist. Um, Rabab is a Palestinian academic who, for decades, uh, have uh, uh, been involved in just like any other academic who teaches his or her subject. But when you mention the P word on campus, the Palestine word on campus in the United States, this will activate so many alarms. Mm-hmm. And, and she has been really bravely and uh, courageously uh, able to deal with it. We had some fantastic indigenous speakers too. And uh, one of them who was just an amazingly uh, powerful voice was was a man called Murundu Yana from Carpentaria Land Council, and interestingly, and this is something I hadn't known, um, he's in the far far north of mm. Queensland, at the very tip of of, of Australia. And I was lucky he, to have Murundu in my session. In your session, Yusuf, and interestingly, and I'd never actually you know understood this obviously, but the by the time the colonialists got this far north, they'd sort of. I'm not going to say they had some humanity. Maybe they got tired. But the reality is in his community, the population is still 60% indigenous. Mm. So they're the majority. And Maybe so, it's just too remote. Well, he, he, look, he, in fact, uh, Murundu um, uh, paid tribute to the, the tribes of the south for tiring out the yeah. colonialists. So, so by the time they got there, they were, you know, had run out of bullets. Maybe if you will. our listeners will uh, know who, who we are talking about if we tell them that this is the guy who kicked out uh, Pauline Hansen Pauline from Hansen. the restaurant yeah. uh, in Queensland. There's a footage of that. Yeah, that's no, fantastic footage. Also, the um, something I didn't know, but he, he shared with us, was that the South African apartheid system was modelled on Queensland's Aboriginal Protection Act of 1897. 1897. Wow. So um, that was really good. And so we inspired the, the apartheid. You know, of course. Mm. Where, where else would they learn learn it best? Mm. Um, and uh, Richard Bell, um, who was a uh, a fantastic uh, artist. indigenous artist, and he spoke about his tent embassy and you know some of his artwork. I mean, and the uh, use of humor. Yeah, the use of humor. In, he, in, he was in defying uh, colonial power. Such a funny guy. Mm. Marcello Sversky from the um, University of Wollongong did a, a presentation in four acts um, where he um, p- played four different roles within um, the Israeli society. One as a, um, the parent of a refusenik, one as a, um, 
one of the coordinators of the amount of food going into um, uh, Gaza. The other one... And also school teacher school and an teacher. excursion and an academic. Yeah, an academic. So. Yeah. And this is often um, the elephant in the room in the Israeli society. Basically, what sustains occupation is the society, not just the soldier that carries weapon. It's the society behind him or her. And uh, Marcello spoke uh, in an artistic way, uh, and he did a bit of a theatrical play, uh, about uh, these four characters that took you really inside inside the Israeli society. Mm-hmm. So also, I want to give uh, to, to mention um, uh, Michaela Sahar, Dr. Michaela Sahar, mm-hmm. who spoke about the Israeli endeavors to reposition their narrative within the narrative of indigenous people in their endeavors to uh, seek indigene- indigeneity. Uh, I will never get this word. Indigeneity. But yes. also Sa- Dr. Sari uh, Zanineri, who you know spoke about colonialist um, uh, artworks and how the representation of the other, whether they were Palestinians within historic Palestine mm. in the late 19th century, or the indigenous within um, indigenous artworks in the 17 uh, within colonial artwork and how they portrayed the indigenous people. So mm. there was got a also lot uh, of great a speaker work from the United States, uh, Nadia Ben Yusuf, yeah, who is well. a Tunisian who spoke uh, about a Tunisian lawyer in the United States. She spoke about uh, the Bandung uh, conference in uh, 55. And this is when uh, Jamal Abdel Nasser of Egypt and Nehru of India and Joseph Tutu of Yugoslavia and, you know, the big uh, names that paved the road for revolutionaries like uh, Castro in Cuba later and the list goes on who met in Indonesia and uh, basically it was the first um, the first cry among the victims of colonial powers around the world to say we will respond we will not let the empire get away over and over again after mm-hmm. five centuries of colonization and how we can reconnect with the legacy of Bandung but also she spoke about her late grandfather who was a revolutionary uh, leader uh, in the Tunisian uh, struggle. Yeah, Professor Tony Birch, another indigenous, fantastic uh, academic. We have um, and novelist. Haj. Yeah, Professor Ghassan Haj. I mean, the the the, the panels were just amazing. Ghassan spoke about uh, the necrophilia, uh, the love of death, in the uh, exhibitions of uh, colonials, which is very, de- you know, I'm, 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 I don't want to try and rephrase it because I think we need Ghassan to talk about this. But well, the good thing is everything was um, videotaped and all the audio and there's transcripts of all of the papers, so the, um, the organisers will make that live on the Black Palestine Solidarity Conference website. Uh, and as soon as that's up, we'll let our listeners know so they can go and watch it all in their own time. I want to talk about uh, my session. Of course, yes. It uh, originally uh, consisted of three speakers. We have Professor uh, Irene Watson uh, from uh, a key figure in indigenous uh, struggle who had to cancel her trip due to um, uh, illness in the last uh, minute. Uh, I was looking forward to hearing her, but I was lucky to... Uh, have seen Randa and Murando speak. Randa Abdel Fattah is a Palestinian, Sydney-based Palestinian novelist and author and academic. Uh, Randa is author of 11... Uh, <laughs> can you believe 11, it? Was, yeah, yeah. 11 uh, novels. And uh, I guess her uh, speech 
was very important uh, because she reconnected with her father's legacy to the village near Yafa, the Burqa village. And uh, she touched on uh, the contrast and complexity of her, of being the daughter of a, state, of, of a Palestinian refugee, but also the beneficiary a beneficiary of a colonial system. So that itself was a bit of a dilemma for her. And uh, if you allow me, Nasser, uh, to mention uh, a story uh, that uh, uh, you told her uh, how uh, your late father, Amma Abu Nasser, Allah uh, on his grave there was some of the sand from Palestine mm-hmm. and how this symbolic, uh, you know, uh, this very little and... Symbolic it means a lot to us because you know the sand of we, we we are not buried in Palestine we could not be buried in Palestine but there is a little bit of Palestine uh, on our grave. Um, look, I don't want to reduce uh, the the talk of uh, somebody like Randa into one minute, but it was really amazing. It was also great to see Murando speak. Uh, somebody who wrestles crocodiles in his <laughs> spare time and really present present a real life um story from the indigenous struggle well, he, he, one of the one of his great stories was how they stopped the the mining company from opening a mine up there mm. and he said you know they were very strategic they used women and old people to blockade the mine the miners were there saying look Mondo, you know if you if we open the mine you'll earn 150,000 dollars a year and you know with that money you can you can eat crayfish and he said <laughs> when well, i want crayfish i just go and go get one <laughs> when I want barramundi, I just go get one. Yeah, I said I don't need to go to a shop. I'm yeah. living our traditional life off our traditional lands and eat our traditional food when I want it. Yeah, I don't need to earn you 150 thousand dollars a year or to pay 80 dollars a kilo for a lobster. When yeah. I want a lobster, I just go in the water and get it. Mm. It was the most fantastic uh, uh, slap down. <laughs> it was you know a joy to watch. Yeah. So also we had uh, Tasneem Samak spoke about the silencing of the Palestinian and indigenous narrative in education. And we had uh, really good uh, other, uh, uh, other speakers and participants. So uh, we had Samak Sabawi also. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was matriarch the, the, the panel. matriarch panel. We yeah. have Elisar Shidiak from Sydney. One of my personal highlights was meeting um, Auntie um, Alma Thorpe. And she talked to her about the missionization of uh, indigenous youth where they were taken out of their away from their parents and put into missions and we saw a video a historic video from the, from the, the 40s 50s and 60s of these young aboriginal kids saying LAMB 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 and if you'd seen the faces of these uh, of these aboriginal children how distraught they were and sad they were being taught by a savior hero white christian woman how to spell the word lamb uh, and in the context of being missionized as Elma Thorpe uh, the mother of Robbie and um, Lydia Thorpe, uh, it could not but be moved. It was mm. really a beautiful moment and so so devastatingly sad. And we should remember that the the purpose of colonisation is to make extinct Indigenous people. That's what the colonialists tried to do here it and is. that's what Zionists tried to do in Palestine. Mm. They have not succeeded in either and our struggles are parallel. So when we have the material ready online, uh, we'll let you know where you'll find it. And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, next Friday, the Palestine Priest Prize is being awarded to Anthony Lowenstein. There's still some tickets left, not many to go. So go to JerusalemPeacePrize.com. Um, we're awarding it to a great person in Anthony Lowenstein. The Jerusalem Peace Prize is being awarded by the Zionists to 
uh, none other than the Honorable uh, Scott Morrison. PM. <laughs> and uh, can I also uh, say thank you to our music band, uh, the Tarab in Melbourne. I mean, I cannot uh, brag a lot about it because I'm a member, but I want to <laughs> say thank member. you to Mu'tasim uh, <laughs> on violin, Nasser uh, on tabla, Abdul Adir on oud, uh, Greg uh, on saxophone, and Omar uh, on uh, guitar. We had our very first uh, public performance uh, towards the end of the conference and we loved it and i think the people uh, who uh, watched us uh, loved were, it as you were, well you were, you were, you were in raptures and we should make clear it was a different nasa it wasn't me it was somebody with some talent yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know we, we we only have one nasa who's doing uh, palestine remembered and 10 other palestinian projects maybe a bit of music will also do <laughs> okay and uh, we didn't uh, talk about uh, yesterday's uh, palestine national day the flag raising in federation square because uh, Gaza was more important and the conference as well. So, but we will talk about it uh, in our uh, next uh, episode. Uh, until then, this is Nasser, uh, Robert, and Yusuf wishing you the best of time and salam.